This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the quarantine ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area. I got invited to a bar tonight, and I said, mm, not going to bars yet. Sorry. Not going to do it. <laughs> it's our pleasure to welcome you to another landmark-esque episode, we'll call it, of the 2 at a Nerd Comic Book Podcast, episode number 583. Nerds! My name is Matt Baum. And I am the internet's Joe Patrick. Another new comic book day has come and gone, leaving us with a pile of new comics to review from Wednesday, July 29th. After that, it's up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss our must-read picks for next week. And finally, Ryan Mount returns to close out his double-dribble edition of Take a Look, It's in a Book, where he's reviewing Gene Luing Yang's Dragon Hoops. But before we start dunking on Asian creators for shit they aren't even guilty of... It is review time in the ziggurat. You just had to sneak that in there. <laughs> this Wednesday, Wonder Woman gets a new creative team. X-Factor returns. Shredder makes a face turn. And we take a silent trip to outer space. But before we destroy the condition of these floppies with our grubby little mitts, the THN bar manager, Justin, is here with a nerdy cocktail to help you enjoy your weekly reading. Justin? All right, nerds, this week, uh, drink to toast to if you happen to win something really cool. Um, a French 75, is, does it get any better than that? Um, easy. Ounce of gin, dry gin, London-style gin, half ounce of li- uh, lemon juice, half ounce of simple syrup, into a shaker, ice, shake, shake, shake. Uh, strain into a uh, flute, and then top with three to four ounces of uh, sparkling white wine or uh, champagne. Dunzos. Enjoy. Uh, maybe a little bit of lemon expression. Make it a little better. There you go. Thank you, Justin. And you can find this recipe and every cocktail of the week in our show notes going forward at TwoHeadedNerd.com. And we also want to congratulate Ms. Tamaki on her Eisner win this past weekend. Calling this drink the Eisner 75 in her honor. Matt Excelsior. Why don't you start us off? Speaking of Ms. Tamaki, I'm reviewing Wonder Woman number 795 from DC, written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Michael Jannon. A new creative team takes over and Wonder Woman moves to Washington, D.C. Not D.C., D.C. I decided I should probably clarify that. And meets a new young friend who she promptly takes shopping and then ditches in a parking lot to stop a speeding vehicle driven by a victim of mind control, which can only mean... Maxwell Lord is back and just in time for the movie where he's the villain to maybe hit theaters or possibly go direct to on demand. We'll see what happens with COVID from here. Tamaki has a fantastic grip on Diana's voice. I really like how she took Diana out of the costume and showed us her stopping of truck barefoot. Janin's art is just gorgeous as usual, whether he's drawing Wonder Woman fighting a T-Rex or, you know, just unpacking. There are some amazing fight scenes that use color really well in this book, too. This new team is off to a great start on Wonder Woman, but we need to discuss Maxwell Lord's continuity status on this week's cover to cover because Joe and I are both a little hazy on this one and i want to hear no, from you guys. i don't think we do because it, i confirmed online that he was resurrected during 
at the end of Blackest Night. And so it still could have happened and they just don't mention it. I want to talk about it. I want to know if she broke his neck or not, because they certainly don't show that here. They have a panel of her standing but over they him. they do and says, reference a storyline where Maxwell Lord tried to brainwash a hero and Wonder Woman stepped in and stopped him. That's the storyline. But they don't say she killed him. They say so what? They also defeated. don't say a lot of things. I just want to know if that neck break still counts or not. I want to talk about it. Wonder Woman 795 gets a huge buy it though. Yeah, I like this quite a lot. Um, I, it's been a while since I've really uh, enjoyed the month to month adventures of Wonder Woman. Even G. Willow Wilson's run only, only hooked me for a couple of issues. Yeah, it was fine. I thought Mariko Tamaki did a great job with her first installment. Uh, Michael, Mikkel Janin is excellent on the art. I'm giving this a buy it as well. I'm going to keep with it for now. My next, uh, my first review rather is the Hedra one shot from image writer, artist, Jesse Lonergan weaves a tale about a lone astronaut leaving a war torn earth to find signs of new life. What she finds is beyond anything she could have imagined. The solicit is sparse on story details, but it makes comparisons to the work of Chris Ware and Mobius, and I think they're pretty accurate. All of the storytelling is done by the art, and it manages to do the job almost perfectly. Lonergan's artwork practically weaponizes each page's panel borders by making them part of the art instead of tools to divide it. The detailed line work and sparse colors are reminiscent of the work of Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Hedra is an incredible artistic achievement that manages to tell a cohesive story without a single syllable of dialogue. I thought it was truly brilliant and I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah. I think this is a project like this is probably the hardest job you can do in comics to be not only like anybody can make a pretty looking book and anybody can make a, a well-written book and anyone can make a pretty looking, well-written book, but to take one of those things out of there and just nail it. I mean, it, this is intensely beautiful. She is wildly talented. This is a gorgeous looking issue. It's just a feast. I'm giving it a buy it as well. And it, storytelling like this, visual storytelling that holds up alone with no dialogue at all, very, very difficult. So hats off to Jesse Lonergan. Do we know that name? Not familiar. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Someone like this just coming up, I bet we're going to see a lot more from him. I'll definitely be on the lookout in the future for sure. Most definitely. My next review goes to TMNT 2020 annual from IDW. This is written by Tom Waltz with art by Adam Gorham. They're the running team on the regular book right now too. Waltz uses this annual sort of a breather after the events of Shredder in Hell, the death of Splinter in the main TMNT book. Owen Baxter Stockman is the mayor. Sort of like Mayor Fisk in is Daredevil. He, <laughs> is he still a fly? Is he a fly? Part-time. I mean, he's feeling much better. So A part-time fly. Yeah. A lot has gone down, and this was a nice chance to see where the other turtle characters landed in the aftermath. Mind you, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are not here at all outside of, like, one panel. Walt uses the Rat King as a silent sort of viewer who shows up in different areas to see where the characters are at and what's going on. While this was a good way to catch up on the series, the book costs $5.99 for what is 29 pages 
of story by my count and a lot of back matter, which some fans may appreciate, but maybe release a three ninety nine version without the extra stuff for casual I readers. Mean, look, too. A, a standard comic is 20, 20 to twenty two pages for three ninety nine. I'll give you that. Fine, this is twenty nine. So we're saying six more pages for six bucks. I don't know, man. The Gorham's art is solid and it holds up well for the house IDW turtle style. The script is also pretty good, but for $5.99, it was a little boring. I can only really give this a skim it. Where I came down on the price is that we normally complain about IDW putting out 48 page one shots for $8. That's true. That's true. So, you know, a, uh, I don't know how much, how many pages this was with the sketches and stuff, which is content. I, I don't disagree. You know, for five ninety nine, that seems like an improvement to me. Uh, I will say though, like this was a total snooze fest. Yeah. And if you have not been reading TMNT on the regular, this is there is nothing at all here for you. Nothing. Well, uh, I mean, they kind no, of nothing. spell it There's out. There's nothing here for you. But it's it's not a great recap. I'll say that. Uh, now I will say that I got a kick out of seeing the Rat King, who I have not thought about since the cartoon in the '80s, <laughs> and he did not look like this. No, no, this is a different Rat King, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I'm giving a, I'm giving it a skimmit as well because it is well told, and I love Adam Gorham's art. I did like the Shredder aspect, though. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't mean yeah, no. Shredder, Shredder, like giving up the giving up the life. That Seems was kind of like interesting. It. Yeah. Next up for me is Black Magic with a K, number 12. It's Magic. 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 Yeah. From Image Comics. <laughs> uh, regretfully, I have not kept up with Greg Rucka and Nicola Scott's Black Magic after the first few issues, which is a shame because it's really great. Uh, don't get me wrong. There is a lot going on here that I have no context for at all. But it's clear that something is haunting Detective Rowan Black, our main character. Rucka deftly juggles a lot of different characters with distinct personalities and relationships, and his mashup of supernatural and cop procedurals works really well. Nicola Scott's art is simply stunning in every way. Her ability to convey emotion is super impressive, and she draws some damn sexy scenes in here to boot. There's a lot of swinging D in this book. Oh, man. Uh, the book is mostly black and white with stunning spot colors by uh, Chiara Arena. Uh, black Magic number 12. It's not the most accessible issue of the series, but it did its job by making me want to catch up on what I missed, which is a contrast to the TMNT annual. Uh, so I'm giving it a buy it. <laughs> I did not read this because I'm so far behind and I really like Black Magic. Coward. I need to catch up. So Coward. My next review is of Lost Soldiers, number one from Image. This is written by Ailish Cott with art by Luca Casalanguida. Cott's story begins in Vietnam with two men that serve together and witness the death of a friend at the hands of an infamous field commander. They flash forward 40 years from there, and the two men are still working for the U.S. government, but they're now running covert raids on the Mexican cartel for CIA black book missions with their while their demons from Vietnam seem to have followed them home. Cott is just fantastic writing this real-world black ops stuff, and he does an amazing job writing very realistic soldiers in Vietnam as well. The art is stunning. He uses real thin, sharp lines to bring violence and emotion to each panel, and Moore's colors, I didn't mention her name, 
I can't remember her entire name. It's hyphenated, but the colorist more <laughs> is just amazing. She like literally splashed colors on some of the pages to separate dream sequences and flashbacks from the otherwise almost sort of documentarian feel and look to the book. This was just an incredible coloring job that reinforced the violence and the main characters live with. I'm giving this a huge buy it. It is not a fun read. This is going to be a difficult story. It is feel-bad comic booking based on real-world covert actions that the CIA has been taking in Mexico for years now. This is a really interesting read. Buy it from me. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I, I loved the way they um, they flashed uh, from the uh, Vietnam era to the modern era, and uh, I, uh, the relationships between the soldiers. Uh, this is just really, really well told. The art was beautiful. Yeah, uh, it's a buy it for me as well. I just, I really, I was really impressed. I thought the scene it almost threw me a little bit where they first flash forward because it's so close to what's going on in like the Vietnam setting. But I think they did it on purpose to be like. Same shit. 40 years later, we're still doing the same exact shit. We're in the same crappy room listening to some guy who's trying to tell us it's just a job. Don't think about it. We're going to go murder a bunch of people, you know? Yeah, but I mean, I want to give them credit because it was still very clear to me that these were the same characters. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, like they, they were just like suddenly much older. Well, there was and, just one very you know, subtle so scene. I totally understood right away what was going on. There was like one very subtle scene, though, there's where they're like in a boardroom and they're, they're not a boardroom, but like a meeting room and they're young. And then the next page, they're in a meeting room and they're old, but you don't really tell you can't really tell until you get a look at them in the next panel and you're like oh shit yeah they're older right now. <laughs> my next review is of x factor number one from marvel comics the comic we've been dreading we've for been, quite some time we've been dreading it we've been a little worried about it maybe <laughs> <laughs> i want to make it very clear uh i really love the concept of the new x factor uh, in a post-Hox Pox world, Krakoa needs agents capable of investigating alleged mutant deaths in order to keep the resurrection pro process working smoothly. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I even like this assemblage of characters, even though they kind of seem to have been drawn out of a hat at random. <laughs> a, a strong case is made in the story for each of them. Writer Leah Williams delivers a solid plot, sets up several interesting ideas, the problem is I find her dialogue style extremely irritating. Okay, that's what it is. Yes. Her it, stories are the aren't comic bad. book equivalent of nails on a chalkboard. And I've been thinking about it more and more. She writes like people try to compose clever tweets. Okay. You okay. know what I mean? Right. It's like yeah. I am extremely online and this is how I talk yeah. online. Nobody in real life talks like this, especially to their peers. You know what it is? It's one of those things, and I can't remember the director I heard talking about it. It may have been Martin Scorsese, but someone was saying, like, how do you make your films feel so timeless and stuff like that? And he said, like, well, one of the things you do is use the parlance of the times, but don't overuse the parlance of time. Don't reach for it because that yeah, is yeah. It's instantly like, it's like the total opposite of uh this is like the comic book version of the woman that wrote Juno. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what is her name? Diablo Cody. Diablo Cody. Yes. Yes. Where it's just like, 
honest to blog, you're a disaster bisexual, Dokken. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, Nobody it, talks like that. It's like old Kevin Smith. <laughs> di- it's like old Kevin Smith dialogue, too. Where it's, it's too snappy. It's too it, perfect. Yeah, it, it's yes, too- exactly. It's, it's, it's so clever to the point of being unreal. And everyone is doing it. That's the other thing. Everybody sounds like that. There's not one person that sounds like, oh, yeah, it's just kind of a normal person. <laughs> right. Now, I will say, uh, to give her credit, I do think that it was a little bit more reined in here than in some of her other projects. But there were some moments, like I mentioned already, that still had me rolling my eyes. Even the art by David Baldion, who I normally love, had some issues. There is one panel where Rachel Summers is, I guess, uh, sneering at a little kid's mom during one exchange. And her face is like half in shadow. And it looks like she's having a major stroke. Because on the outside of the shadow, she's got these ridiculous duck lips jutting out. <laughs> like, what are you? What face are you making? <laughs> like Morty from Rick and Morty when he gets like worried about something, he's like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Where it's those, just like those those uh that like little swirl that indicates his pursed lips. <laughs> like I said, the premise of the new X Factor is awesome, and there was a lot to like in this first issue, but a lot of it had me shaking my head as well. I got to give it a skim it. I'm giving it a skim it also. I don't love the lineup. I'm not crazy about the team. I like the premise and I suppose you could stick anyone in there and that's fine. But when you call it X factor and maybe it's just me and I'd love to talk about this on cover to cover as well. Like, but when I think of X factor, there's certain mutants I think of and it, you know, Madrox is there or the original X factor team or, you know, siren and stuff like that. It would, and I think that's why Polaris was there for that kind of sense of continuity. It would be nice to see them use characters like that rather than like eyeball kid and, and docking and shit, which I just don't need here. I, I don't know. And I'm with you. The dialogue is definitely gets a little cloying and it's just a little too snippy snappy, you know, mm. too cute, it's too cute for its own good. Skim it from me. Next up, I've got Empire, Captain America, number one from Marvel. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Ariel Olivetti. The Kotati are attacking Washington, and they've got the military pinned down. That is until Cap shows up with Wakandan weapons in tow, and he rallies the troops. Then he gets into it with the top brass over tactics, and then he tells the troops, hey, desert your post and follow me and come kick some plant person ass, which is definitely going to get them all in serious trouble. Yeah. <laughs> like just like he does, like Captain America is known to do. Sure. Johnson's script is pretty stiff and straightforward cap being cap stuff. There's lots of good job, soldier, and here's a long motivational speech to fire up the troops. But not much really happens here other than cap encouraging troops to leave their post. Olivetti's art is good, but it's not as impressive as usual. And I guess the whole thing just felt kind of stiff. And predictable. I'm giving this a skim it. I mean, I don't know. I I, I guess we really like the X-Men Empire tie-in because it did something fun and it added the title. This doesn't do anything for what's going on no, in, in no. Coates' Captain America at all. And it feels like a writer that's just not as good as Coates writing it right now. And it's obvious when you put it next to the monthly cap book. And skim. like, I mean, I read it, I read it today, maybe like maybe an hour ago hour and a half and i cannot tell you how it ends i don't remember if it ends on a cliffhanger because it's a mini series or if it had a definitive ending because it's a one shot <laughs> that's how forgettable it was the second i was done with it i will say 
Uh, I was actually totally impressed with Ariel Olivetti's art because this looked like the first comic book that he has legitimately drawn. I'll give you that. With no like no CG painting over a picture yeah. or inserting something in Photoshop. Yeah. No in s- years. That's true. It just all seemed really posed to me. I don't know. Everybody was just like really posed the entire time. And maybe that's because he is trying to do more. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, but I'm with you. I like, I don't really need this. I, to, if I'm being honest, I really don't need most of the Empire tie-ins so far. I, I, I can barely keep up with the ongoing, which as we discussed prior to hitting the record button is weekly for some inexplicable reason. Yeah. And uh, I like I just don't understand how Marvel expects anybody to keep up with 30 tie-ins. Yeah. They, and a six issue or eight issue weekly main event. They it's started really much. strong with two good intro tie-ins and then immediately just threw you into the swamp. I'm like, here, oh, it's a huge mess. Crawl in and see what yeah. you can come out with. And, you know, like, and this is right. like one of what, like four different Empire tie-ins that came out today? Yeah. Uh, came out today? There was like, there was an X-Men, uh, uh, a proper issue of X-Men, a proper issue of Fantastic Four, I think, and then uh, at least one other like self-contained tie-in and, and the main series. So like, stop it. Why? Yeah. Our final review of the week goes to Dr. Tomorrow, number four from Valiant. Full disclosure, I picked this because something about the solicit made me think it was the end of the storyline. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it absolutely is not. Uh, so it's not at all a great place to jump into the story of Dr. Tomorrow. But that said, I still had a ton of fun with it. It's not that I was behind. I just thought that this was the end. Though there are some obvious twists, Alejandro Arbona's story has a lot of great time-spanning multiversal adventure, and I'm always a sucker for that sort of thing. Uh, the story has a dark edge to it, but Jim Tao's excellent cartoony art brings a nice, lighthearted touch. Is Dr. Tomorrow number four a great place to start? Absolutely not. But this series has been a great addition to Valiant's lineup, and it does not require an encyclopedic knowledge of all of Valiant's backlog to keep up with it. I'm giving it a buy it. I think people get freaked out because there are books that are definitely like that within Valiant. And that's what those books are supposed to be. Um, Exo Man of War was a good one. Uh, Hardbringer, Harbinger, definitely very rooted in what's going on in the universe. And they're great. I love them. Dr. Tomorrow is a little looser. Definitely. It's a great book. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy this. And I'm impressed that you're keeping up with it at all, to be honest. <laughs> so. I mean, it was only four, like it's four inches deep. I had already read the first two, so it was easy for me to read number three and yeah, number four. It's a great book. I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, it's like, it's definitely in the Valiant universe. The other Valiant superheroes are here front and center. Right. But like, you do not need to know the previous five-year history of Quantum and Woody to nah. keep up with this book. Blah! That is your new comic reviews for this weekend. It's the sound of Northstar plopping his sister's dead body in front of the Krakoa Five, as seen in the pages of X Factor number one. I I want to roar back so bad. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, she's going to come back. They're going to resurrect. This Onomatopoeia of the Week was brought to you by Joe Patrick himself. If you want to submit an Onomatopoeia of the Week, you can post it to any of our social media accounts or send an email to twittednerd at gmail.com. I was complaining to Casey. Nobody submitted an Onomatopoeia of the Week. And Casey said to me, have you ever considered maybe they don't know what that means? And I said, no, I haven't. So, an onomatopoeia of the week, it's a weird noise that you see illustrated in a comic book, like wham, or it, boom, or pow. It is a written, it is a written representation of a sound effect, yes. like slam, or pow, or slap, or splat. There you go. Better yet, you can call us and you can make the noise. Call us at 402-819-4894, introduce yourself. Or fart. Make the noise and tell us where it came from. Fart. And we'll play it on the show. Joe Patrick, it's time to grow up. Fart. <laughs> That's it for reviews, but we've still got a job to do or the curse that keeps us sharing a body and making this damn show will spread across the whole damn multiverse. Right. It's terrifying. We're doing this for you. All right, you jerks. That's right. It's time to head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to make our must-read picks for birthday week. Next Wednesday, August 5th. That's right. Monday is my birthday. And I'm taking over the show and I'm doing whatever I want. Have you noticed how, like, I didn't even mention that it was my birthday and you brought it up and you are such a, you're like birthday Birthday princess over here. (laughs) My pick for Joe's birthday (laughs) is Vampire the Masquerade. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Number one. This is for David Robbins, who's constantly threatening to make us play this game and telling us how wonderful it is on uh, cover to cover. This is written by Tim Seeley with Teeny and Blake Howard. I assume they're brother and sister. That's my guess. It's adorable. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. they could be grandfather and granddaughter for or all we know. Could be married. They could be Siamese twins. We don't know. They could be totally unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> with art by Nathan Gooden and Dev Pramanik. It is 32 pages for three ninety nine. Here is your solicit. From the internationally best-selling World of Darkness universe, Vault brings readers a brand new Vampire the Masquerade comic series, Winter's Teeth, when Cecily Brine, a courier for the Twin Cities, Camarilla, <laughs> I don't know what that is, takes a mysterious younger vampire under her wing. She's dragged into an insidious conspiracy. Will she be able to escape with her unlife? Sorry, gaggle <laughs> and protect her aging Alzheimer's afflicted afflicted sister, or will she be yet another pawn sacrificed to the Masquerade? Meanwhile, an anarch cotier investigates a mysterious killing. There are no less than four words in this that I have no clue as to their meaning. <laughs> Camarilla is Come one. On, Camarilla. Uh... Anarch Cotiere is in there two more. Co- yeah. Uh... Yikes. I'm uh, doing this a lot for of... you, David Robbins. This is all uh, for you, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm already very tired. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I'm giving it a chance, all right? I'm doing it. I like Tim I'm Seeley. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I like Teeny Howard. Tim Seeley writes good horror shit. This should be fun. Aside, well, when he's not doing The Crow and uh, what's it called? Hackslash. Hackslash crossovers, which is fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible. <laughs> 
My pick for next week is Firepower by Kirkman and Somni. Number one. Yes, that's the title. This looks great. It's from Image Comics, written by Robert Kirkman, with art by Chris Somni. In case you couldn't tell already, it's 44 pages for $3.99. And here is your solicit. Series premiere, all new monthly series created by Robert Kirkman and Chris Somni. You don't have to go that far away. You can just sort of lean your head back. It'll be fun. Uh, I mean... Uh, it's only so far back I can go. My chair doesn't tip back. But you were doing that anyway. <laughs> so. The one who wields the firepower is destined to save the world, but Owen Johnson has turned his back on that life. He doesn't want the power. He never did. He only wants to spend time with his family and live his life. But unseen forces are at work to make that impossible. Danger lurks around every corner as Owen's past comes back to haunt him. Apparently... This is the same comic as the free comic book day version. Oh, really? Uh, except this non-free comic book day version has an increased page count, 44 pages total, and will include a sketchbook section featuring commentary by Somni and Kirkman. Exactly the sort of thing Matt thinks is not worth the extra money. Yeah, who gives Good a thing shit. it's still just $3.99. Just tell me the story, you jerks. I don't care about the rest. <laughs> no, this sounds awesome. We picked this a while ago. As, uh, uh, yeah, we picked the graphic novel Prelude. Right. And I'm going to read that this weekend. Nice. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Last of the Independence, the hardcover from Image Comics, written by Matt Fraction with art by Kieran Dwyer. It is 112 pages for $17.99. Here's your solicit. With an all-new introduction by comedian and author Patton Oswalt. Why is that the kickoff sentence i yeah you know i mean he's famous i guess a bank in the middle of nowhere a crew with nothing to lose and the hall of a lifetime too big to just disappear what should have been a simple stick up becomes infinitely more complex when a crew of robbers ends up with way more than they bargained for dash literally and when the mob they just accidentally robbed comes looking to even the score there's only one way out for all involved. Back in print for the first time in over a decade, this busted knuckles crime thriller by Matt Fraction and Kieran Dwyer is a character-driven desert noir, I almost said dessert, that pits cowboys against mobsters in the muscular tradition of Charlie Varick. I don't know what that is. The outfit. I don't know what that is either. And the friends of Eddie Coyle. I don't know what any of those things are. Is the outfit the Parker book? Because that's the only the outfit that I know. Maybe. I don't know. But Parker wasn't fighting cowboys and mobsters and shit. Well, did you read the outfit? I read that Parker book. You don't remember it. I mean, he was a bad guy. You know, there were mobsters involved. There were no cowboys. You don't remember it. <laughs> was there cowboys? Is that what you're telling me? I don't remember it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I picked this because I remember hearing about this way back in the day and I never had a chance to read it. It's coming back into print. New Matt Fraction. Come on. You picked it because uh, Pat Oswalt's introducing it. Let's not lie. I totally picked it because it's got a brand new introduction <laughs> by comedian and actor uh, and author Pat Oswalt, obviously. Go. Uh, Kieran Dwyer, I've been a fan of for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, he spent a lot of the early 2000s uh, just putting out complete trash <laughs> on purpose. It was called lowest comic denominator. And it was just like the crudest 
comics you could possibly imagine. I think he went through some stuff. Um, I don't know. I think he definitely went through a phase there for a while. Yeah. He was just like mad at the um, world. But he's a huge talent. I, I loved him on Captain America back in the 80s. Uh, and I think this is going to be a great read. Anything new by Matt Fraction, even if it's old, I'm totally sold on it. Be sure to head up your local comic shop and add these comics to your list so you can read along at home and let us know what you're reading to over at our damn Facebook page. Please, why don't you? Right now, it's just all Carl posting hot takes about things that are way too old for anybody to care about Good anymore. Lord, so come on. Bright burn, Carl. Nobody cares anymore. <laughs> we are a little late to that party. Uh, and we have started posting our reading list online if you want to follow along with what we will be reviewing uh, in the upcoming episodes. You can probably find that on the Facebook page and on our Twitter. So check that stuff out. You know what my favorite part of this show is, Joe? What's that, buddy? Making other people do the work for us. Ladies and gentle nerds, please welcome back to the ziggurat, Mr. Ryan Mount, for the second in his double dribble edition of Take a Look, It's in a Book, the Dragon's Hoops edition. Recording live from the new Granny Goodness Orphanage somewhere on Apocalypse or Earth, I can't tell the difference. It's Ryan Mount, a.k.a. Hebrews, on the Twitter. Welcome to the Double Dribble edition of Take a Look. Last month, we kicked off our double feature with Kyle Stark's Old Head, and this month, I am reviewing Gene Loon Yang's Dragon Hoops. Dragon Hoops was written and drawn by Gene Loon Yang, with color by Lark Pien. Art assist by Rihanna Myers and Colby Yang. Published by First Second, 446 pages for $24.99. Jean Liu Yang is most notable for his Eisner Award-winning graphic novel, American Born Chinese. More recently, he has done work for DC Comics. And this book was released on the heels of my, of my miniseries book of the year, Superman Smashes the Clan over at DC Entertainment. My personal writer of the year tackling my favorite sport of basketball. It's a crossover I never knew I wanted, but had to have. Uh, the premise of the book is simple. Award-winning comic writer tells the story of one year in the life of a high school basketball team where he taught at the time. Warning, from this point on, there will be spoilers. This book is everything and has something for everyone. We follow the Bishop O'Dowd Dragons, a California Catholic school boys basketball season in 2015. Yang manages to put an entire sports movie on the pages with the same emotional weight of a Rudy or Field of Dreams and with the message of Remember the Titans wished it was able to tell. And like all good sports movies, this one had me in tears, the dramatic conclusion. Each chapter of the book begins with a subject, a coach, a player, a big game. In between, we get basketball history lessons, life lessons, and a look at racial politics in America. While that much subject matter, even in 446 pages, could be disjointed or overwhelming, Yang threads a perfect needle to keep the narrative moving at, uh, to the end of the big game. The best thing that I can compare this to is if you've ever watched an hour of comedy. For me, the book felt like Mike Birbiglia's Thank God for Jokes. Each section stands on its own. There's an overarching narrative with nods in between each joke and tied all together at the end with the punchline. Yang manages to do that level of storytelling in this incredible graphic novel. 
The character building is tremendous. I have a hard time not imagining you actively rooting for the team like I did while reading it. Yang pulls you along on the journey as he goes from nerdy high school math teacher to diehard basketball fan at the end. If Yang had just given us a great sports story on the page, it would have been a worthwhile read. But there is so much more here. Just like Superman smashes the Klan in American-born Chinese, he tackles the issues of racism and diversity on a very human and complex level. There are several students that, that highlight that fact. Javine, with parents originally from India, talks about American student perspective of Indian cultures and challenges them. We also spend a chapter with Alex, a Chinese exchange student trying to become one of the great Chinese-born basketball players. Starting with the history of Chinese basketball, it also shows the stark differences each player experiences. They can be on the same team, and it still can be hard to fit in. It even uses a chapter about growing up in your sibling's shadow for Arins and his older sister, Odera, a great basketball player herself and gives the history of women's basketball and the lack of respect they get to this day and how hard they've had to fight to legitimize themselves as athletes. Sidebar, this is where I tell you to watch the WNBA this season. It's on most major networks, and the WNBA League Pass is $16, and you get to watch every game on your own time. Okay, back to the review. This book is a journey for Yang himself, uh, one of taking chances and personal growth, how a nerdy man turned into a sports fan, how a man trying to balance all of life and knowing he has to make a, a decision as well. There's even some fourth wall breaking that works as narrative or him poking some fun at himself while working out some character. It feels like a travel log and we're all glad to go on the journey with him. Yang even squeezes a sports controversy in there as well. And the struggle he made to even include it in the book, uh, despite his wishes of not wanting to. And folks, that is just the story. Let's quickly talk about the art. Yang's cartooning is simple, something pulled from newspaper strips. However, it is effective for the dialogue-heavy portions and during the basketball scenes as well. It's not the easiest thing to do is draw dialogue in action. You know, if anybody read Michael Bendis's, Brian Michael Bendis's uh, New Avengers run, we always said there'd be an action artist or there would be a dialogue artist, and the book would never get that flow. Yang himself is perfect here and is able to draw both those things with ease uh, that many artists cannot do. So, and one of my favorite parts is that Yang is working through a character design on a panel sequence, all focused on one character's hairline. Um, it certainly made me laugh out loud. Yang does not have a ton of complex backgrounds here, but the art works so well and it is an absolute strength of the book. Uh, Lark PN's colors are muted, but still dynamic, and no doubt this book is set in the real world, but a couple of choices really make those slams and shots leap off the page like the jump man himself. Dragon Hoops is an absolute blast and should appeal to everyone. This book was so fantastic that I even had to come up with a new rating system for THM. It's a buy it and buy it for someone else as well. So it's the highest rating ever given out for any of my reviews on any medium on the entire site. Um, I think it's required reading for comic fans, for teachers, for students, and just about everybody else in your life. I cannot recommend this book enough. So this has been Ryan Mount reviewing Gene Liu Yang's Dragon Hoops. Go buy the book. Go watch some women's basketball. Thank you. And catch me on Twitter at Hebrews.
That is it for THN 583. Next week, we're going to be wrapping about the new season of the Umbrella Academy in the return of Nerd TV. It hits this Friday on the Netflixes. So give it a watch. Let us know what you think. Until then, Joe Patrick, give these nerds a new question of the week, please. Uh, that's not how you spell rapping in this context, and I am ashamed of myself, yeah. and I apologize. Yeah, well, you're a white guy. We know that. I mean, I should have known better. This week's question is a bit of a flip from Jason Sachs's question from a couple of weeks ago. It was submitted by Frank Cirillo via the THN forums. What is a nerd property that, as a kid, you thought was stupid, but now you think it's really great, either because you rediscovered it and it has a deeper meaning than you thought, or it was rebooted into something modern and amazing? Uh, Frank's example is Voltron. We don't need to drag him about it. We already made fun of him on cover to cover. I just don't he know didn't what like the original Voltron. Okay. I, don't, I just don't know what but his he fucking problem is. loves the new Voltron. <laughs> Thought Frank was cool, but you know, people change. He I apparently, guess. he apparently also loved the Lost in Space movie reboot starring Matt LeBlanc. We're not going to talk about that either. <laughs> I don't know if it was that one. <laughs> Look, is there another Lost in Space movie that I'm missing? I think he's talking there, about. There's the Netflix show. I think he's talking about that one. I have a feeling. <laughs> All right. Now, guys and gals, we are running low on question of the week suggestions. So please, please, please send me your ideas for things you want to talk about. Uh, you can hit us up anywhere. Uh, the Facebook, the regular page, the fan page, Twitter, email, the forums. You don't have to be a member of the forums. Just send it to me. You know where to find me. Yeah. I'm everywhere. Come on, you guys. Over to cover. Cover to Cover is back every Saturday at 10.30 live on our Facebook page, and it is also the new home for our nerd news segment. So call us at 402-819-4894 or shoot an MP3 of your answers to twoheadednerd at gmail.com, and you could and will be internet famous. It's true. It's a guarantee. And we don't just just have to talk about the news of the week. I would like to talk about Empire. I would like to talk about the return of X Factor. All kinds of stuff. Uh, You control the the show. We don't talk about the news of the week. It's true. (laughs) Which is fine with me. Uh, Remember though, please keep it to two minutes or less. We have a lot of people that want to participate and we can't always get to everybody. Uh, Share the air and if you can't get through on your first try, let it go to voicemail. Leave your message. We will play it that week. We promise. It's true. If you're new to the show, you'd rather give the eyeball kid a full body massage and listen to any more. I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. Good news is, you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive. Joinanerd.com. By hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank the GOAT, Patrick Gautier, who's been a patron since the very beginning. And you don't hear him bitching about how we don't give anything out. You don't hear him whining about how we're ripping people off. He just pays like a good love slave. And that's what we appreciate. It's because he never calls in to complain. (laughs) He may have Uh, forgotten, too. His name is Eyeboy. Thank you very much. Eyeboy. That's right. The Eyeball Kid was something from Dark Horse years and years and years ago. Eyeball Kid? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a Mystery Men character. Something, yeah, out of that or Flaming Carrot, I think. Can't remember. Yeah. All right, let's get serious. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to all of our educator friends out there. 
talking specifically about Chase Magnet. Oh, it was John from Jersey, I think. They are about to be forced into the impossible position of returning to the classroom in the weeks ahead. I know that Chase has to go back next week, despite all warnings that it is absolutely not safe to do so. And doing so will undoubtedly lead to an enormous spike in pandemic cases. Ugh. Yeah, we're Word to you all guys. of you. And I would say, we write, stand with you guys. Write we your congressman, you. write your government. But guess what? They don't care. They don't give they don't a give shit. Two f- <laughs> they don't give two they don't fucks care. about you. Sorry. No, they do not. America's done caring about this shit. We'll clean up the bodies later. Look, Until next time. Start true. making start making wild claims about demon sperm and, and stuff, and maybe they'll listen. I don't know. Okay, I am sick of the left-wing liberal media saying that having sex with demons is a bad idea because I've been doing it for years. And yes, I have some mutilated and burned genitals. But other than that, I'm fine. So I'm sick of hearing about it, all right? Until yes. next time, true fine. believers, remember to fine. pre-order your comics. You or can your, hear my air quotes. <laughs> or your retailer might just burn your genitals off. This is the two-headed nerd signing off.